0: So I'm going to do something a little different today, Jim. And I'm just going to start this like a normal conversation, which I guess I've already blown by introducing <laughs> it. But So organic. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> natural. And I was just involved in a conversation online about, you know, natural conversation versus prose speak. But, you know, so what, what's what been going on with you before we get into the... This
1: is the icebreaker. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> this is very Conan-esque.
1: Yeah. Um... You know this about me. I don't know how many people know this about me. I say hello in about 30, 40 languages. And I generally try to say hello to people in their language when I meet them. If they're not Americanized, if they're not Anglo. Okay. And I'm usually generally very good at telling the difference from where people are. I, I just met a guy in downtown Seattle. He was from India. And I could tell he was from India. So I said, uh, Damya thank you, when he open the door and he looked at me. He said, "How did you know where I was from?" And he gave me one of those. But I was at just at Costco. Mm-hmm. This really happened, and I know that you're not supposed to talk to Arabian women. Uh, you're. It, it's generally considered not cool to engage with a stranger in, on the street when they're Arabic. And so I usually I try to be polite, but I I generally don't make eye contact and all that. Mm-hmm. And but she's working the door, checking the receipts, So she's in customer service. She has to say something to me. Well, right? that's also
0: different if somebody's actually in a customer service role and you're just making small talk. Right. I think that's,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so I said to her, because I didn't know where she was from. She was wearing her hajib. And I couldn't tell if she was Arabian or Turkish. Okay. And I, I've made the mistake in the past of assuming a Turkish woman was Arabian when she was Turkish. Okay. And so now I ask. I said... I said to her, but I said it really quickly. I said uh, "Assalamu alaikum" or "Maharab," because mm-hmm. "Maharab" is hello in Turkish. And uh, she looked at me like I was an idiot because I just mm-hmm. pushed it all together into one word. So I said "Assalamu alaikum" or "Maharab," and and she said, "What?" She didn't even say anything. And I said it again, and she said, "You're saying two different things." I said, "No, I'm asking you which is it." And I realized once it was all over that that was just such a pain in the ass that it wasn't worth it. So when I see her again at Costco, I'm just not even going to bother. But I was trying to be polite, and it bit me in the ass. And that doesn't
0: happen a lot. You, usually we, when I say hello in somebody's language, they appreciate it. But Was English her second language? Was it obvious?
1: Yeah, or... she had very good English, in fact. But she okay. wore the okay. um, I
0: mean, if, so... so my general rule of thumb would be if I see somebody wearing something like that, I'd be a lot more conservative like i remember one time i i I met uh there was a there was a couple that owned a a store around the corner from where i went to college that were from saudi arabia but the woman kept her hair like out in the open long and she was very friendly and so i i tried speaking a little bit of arabic to her because i was taking arabic classes and she was very friendly about it she was like oh luga arabia and she started talking to me and i barely understood anything she was saying but she was nice about it and so whenever i would go there i'd try talking to her or the husband and they were really friendly but I think I've told this story before. At one point there's a there's a market here. I think it's called um it's it's called like Anore or something, like Market of Light. And uh and I went in there one day and there was a guy there who looked really serious and I, I said, "Maraba," and he just gave me like a look, like and he shook his head and just said no. And I didn't know what that was about, but he clearly didn't like me going in there and, and doing that. So Yeah But generally that's not the reaction that I find you get with Arabic people. I find generally they're pretty happy to hear you speak their language. Do you know what I mean? Because especially, especially post nine 11, I noticed that um, because it was sort of like, you know, it, 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 it it, it wasn't what they normally encountered, I think in the U S so I don't know what it's like these days, but, but back then I generally got positive reactions except for that one guy at the market. Um, But yeah, I don't know. That's a, that, that's a, I mean, maybe what you should have done in that case is speak in English first and Yeah. Then yeah. try I, it.
1: It usually does not backfire on me, right? I can tell the mm-hmm. difference between a Sikh and Pakistani and an Indian. And so when I'm saying hello in their languages, I know what I'm doing. But this was just one of the – and I was in Iowa when I ran into the Turkish woman, right? Yeah. So she was just excited that there was a white person that even knew how to say hello at all. Um and she wasn't rude about it when I got it wrong. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, you're from Turkey. And I knew exactly how to say hello in Turkish. Yep. So I fixed it just like that. But um, yeah, I just generally try to make people feel comfortable around me by doing that. Mm-hmm. I was just at a place that had a Vietnamese woman working y- yesterday. And she was blown away that I knew Xin Zhao. Uh, what is Xin It's hello in, okay. in Vietnamese. And then uh, how much is Fao uh, You Uh, thank you come on things like that okay and i i try to pick up what i can right it's very difficult to memorize all of that because there's so many different cultures and languages and whatever but uh it's important to me i live in a multicultural town and i actually like the experience of walking out of a say a vietnamese restaurant and then there's two ladies speaking korean as they walk past me and i can pick up a couple of terms they're using etc i like that 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 feels comfortable for me.
0: I do know a little Korean just from doing Taekwondo. So I know like Ahanzeo and, you know, some of the real basic stuff and some of the commands, (laughs) you know, you know, some of them Kunyet and like all these things that they said when you had to just salute, the you know, the front and I'm butchering it and I can count, but, uh, but I don't know that now, did you, do you have like a book that's like how to say hello in 40 different languages or have you just sort of amassed this knowledge? I've just
1: amassed it over the years. There was a, There was a book by um, Jim Starling. No, Sterling? Starling? The guy that used to write for Marvel Comics. He wrote Gilgamesh 2. And I read it in college. And there was some stuff in there about respecting all religions, but honoring none of them. And it really opened my mind. I was 20 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just starting to get into Buddhism. And my life was changing a lot in positive ways. Mm -hmm. College was a great experience for a white trash kid like me. And I just, I had made it my, uh, I had made it my kind
0: of agenda to learn how to say hello. in many. I can say hello in Sri Lankan. That's how many languages I can say hello in. Okay. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, that, I, I can only say it in a few and not very well. Um, Jim knows, I've, Jim does this all the time. He'll, kill say things in PM in other languages that I'll be like, I have no idea. Even things I should know, like stuff in French that like. Most Americans probably know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, comme ça va? yeah. Everybody should know. Bonjour, I, I, comme ça va. I, i i I, I've, I've,
0: I've, I think I've resisted learning French my whole life. Um, you know, I it just, it's never, I, 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 just never absorbed it. But so my uh,
1: wife hates French. So mm-hmm. what I will do is I will
0: not only speak French in
1: the house, but I will do it with a southern drawl. So okay, that's kind of it, interesting. So it, it completely drives her nuts. Mm-hmm. Boo, boo, caché avec moi. And then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, it that sounds terrible. So awful. Well, it doesn't and sound
0: terrible. It just sounds so like nothing I've ever heard before, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'll do that for, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes, mm. rattling off as much French as I can with that accent, and she'll want to murder me. My,
0: my wife is more worldly than me. Like, you know, we both, I, I think we've mentioned this, but I, I believe your wife is Korean. My wife is Thai, and so sometimes we have common. Experiences a bit around that, and my wife is more worldly than me, and she um, uh, she knows a lot of languages. Just because if you know, if you're not born in America, you, you have to learn other languages generally. And and so when she wants to annoy me, she'll just start speaking Japanese to me, or speaking a, like a language other than Thai or English to to just kind of you know remind me that I don't know as many words as her. Or she'll start speaking English in. In the because they are under the uh, like English school system in Thailand, like they are, they were, they learn English the way that English people in England learn it, and she'll just start using English colloquialisms and and you know saying footpath instead of sidewalk, um, so so yeah, I don't know, um, but <laughs> I, I don't know why I brought that up, but <laughs> but anyways, we wanted to get into a couple of different topics today. We wanted to talk about. Uh, the copyright issue that emerged in our program. Um, I had a small update on that in fact. And, and also we want to talk, and this is going to be the main theme of the program. We want to talk about concept albums in metal. And, and so I, I'm assuming that's what we're talking about today. Actually. I don't know. Did we, did we hash that over Jim? Was that? Yeah, oh. we can
1: talk about whatever. Okay. I,
0: I was, I've been up since 2 AM and I'm
1: totally wired. So I just wanted to record. Okay. Well, take advantage I, of this energy.
0: I slept late. So I think, it's a good combination, you know, if, if it were the opposite, if like I had not gotten enough sleep and you were all wired, it would have been a mess, but I, I, I slept till like seven fifteen or something. Um, so, so the copyright thing, do you remember what happened? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Update us.
0: So, so yeah, so we, we, we did that top 20 metal album thing and while we were doing it, we listened to really short clips. Like I'm talking 10 second clips, I think of maybe 20 second clips, just to get a sense of the music, if Jim hadn't heard it or if I hadn't heard it, or if we needed to be reminded of what it sounded like. And, and we skipped around, like, there's no way, there's no way that you could replace buying the album with what we were doing. Right. It just, and it, and it wasn't like promotional. We were just, if anything, people were going out and buying this these albums, uh, when they wouldn't have otherwise, if they listened to our program, that's the only possible result that could have, you know, could have occurred. Uh, so we got some copyright claims. We got three copyright claims, um, and I won't. I don't want to mention who it was because I don't want to get. I don't want to get us in trouble, or do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't want to make it worse than it is. But three, right, right, right. three different companies, uh, and I was kind of surprised by the bands whose companies came after us to be. I thought it was going to be some other people. Um, like instantly, like as soon as the episode went up. So it was obviously a software thing. They they made a claim, and I. I, I, there's like a bunch of different steps and so I basically you know s- appealed the first step like it wasn't the official appeal where they're like there's, but it was like the first step of like well I think this is done in error kind of thing and apparently the all all the company has to do is just say we don't accept your appeal and then it just automatically is demonetized and we're not monetized anyways but we wouldn't be able to is the result if we of, of the appeal we wouldn't be able to monetize the videos and, uh-huh. and so so now we're at a crossroads where we now have the official appeal option and the official appeal option which i don't know i'm deciding if i want to do or not the problem with that is you risk actually having your channel taken down if you if you you wow now the videos are still up so i don't really care do you know what i mean like they're still letting us play the videos we just can't monetize them but out of principle i kind of wanted to do that second appeal um but i don't i just think it's the stupidest thing in the world like that the that the and basically it's not even the bands it's like the company that owns the rights to them or like a law office or some I think it's all outsourced. Sure. It, but it's really annoying that all they have to do is say nope we don't agree and it kind of automatically goes to them and then if you want to go into this real review process you you get like five warning pages of your channel could be taken down and are you really really sure you want to do this and they yeah. try to scare you and it just feels so one-sided it feels like the the content creators on youtube are not you know are, are completely at the mercy of these and i and i've seen and and the thing is for our channel it's not a big deal like for what we do we don't really need to monetize the video it's fine but it's it's annoying when you're watching like music education channels and this kind of stuff happens do you know what i mean which, right, which right. we both do and and I've seen it happen I've seen great videos of like you know what makes this song interesting and great, and people will will break it down and then they they can't even t- they're trying to praise and review the song. there's no way you could listen to that video and say, ooh i'm gonna not buy the album now because this guy's playing short little clips of it that are you know jumping around and and not giving me the full song uh, it's just it's just very i don't know i i don't i i find it frustrating but I I don't know. I figured you might have some thoughts on copyright and music. So I thought I think what we should do
1: two days ago, we recorded, did you put it up yet?
0: No, I'm going to put it up today. Actually after we we
1: recorded two days ago, and we talked about unleash the archers
0: Mm -hmm.
1: a lot. We should put some of their music right now on this podcast uh, because I'll bet they would love to get some exposure. I think it would be a great test to see uh, how that band responds.
0: Well, Shoot. here's the thing though. It's not the band. It's going to be the label. So it'll be Napalm that would probably. Right. Um, but we can do it. You know. I mean, it's it's risky, obviously. You know, we're kind of we're kind of playing Russian roulette here, but yeah, but if we
1: just play 10 seconds and we say here, we just just think this is a great band. Listen to this.
0: No, this is good because I actually wanted to do that yesterday, but it's better that we're doing it on an, on an episode that we might be more comfortable jettisoning if we have to rather, do you know what I mean? Like, so, so I think that's good. And, and there are some things I wanted to call attention to. So, um, so yeah, so why don't we, so I, I bought all four of their albums. I have them on Amazon music, so I own the music. Um, so, so why don't I do that? I'll try playing uh, some clips of things so that people can see what what I thought was so great about "Unleash the Archers." Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm going to start do with Destroyer" because that's the, that's the song that I was like, "Wow. Do you know what I mean? like that song really floored me, and I'll try to explain why. Um, and this is from their first album, so the, the the sound quality is a little bit less well mixed than their later albums, so you kind of have to you know meet it halfway in that respect. but I, th- I think that the good thing about the first album. Is it's a little bit more unfiltered, and so you get a real sense of this is how good this band is. This isn't, you know, there there are less studio tricks involved in in earlier albums, so you really get a sense of how of the talent. Uh, So I'll start with this song, and I'm going to skip ahead. That was the part that like made me fall in love with the band. Do you know what I mean? That that high note. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that.
1: Yeah. Let's be honest. You and I both are in love with Britney, and we want her to contact us because we want her to find out about this channel, and we want to start being fanboys and write her letters. Let's just be honest.
0: Well, no. I, okay. So that's that's not exactly <laughs> true. What? what
1: I, I know it's not true. No.
0: So so when I when when he first showed me this band. And and I, you know, I'm I'm a crude person. Sometimes I'm not as sophisticated as Jim. And 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 I saw. So he showed. What did you show me? The um general, of the dark army. I think was the 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 video you sent me.
1: Yeah, that or uh tonight we ride.
0: I think it was General of the Dark Army. And I said, yeah. oh, she's pretty. And 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 Jim just sent a face palm. Right by the way, <laughs> yeah. and and I went, And the thing is, she's so
1: effing talented. The last thing in my mind when I'm listening to her voice is, oh it's a good thing she's
0: pretty so but here's the thing i wasn't saying it's a good thing she's pretty i was just that was just my initial reaction when i, I first started I thing. and and it's and it's not like it's it's not like i was being creepy about it i was just saying she's pretty and it's relevant sometimes to music because there is a visual component and this is a band that's obviously marketing their stuff so in just in terms of her being a, a front person of the band like that having that level of charisma matters like i'll give you an example they have that song i think it's is it time stand still is that their uh uh yeah they have an album called i, I believe the album is time stand still but they have a video for it and yeah, i don't,
1: where everybody is from different time periods
0: yeah and, and have you ever seen the survivor video um for um eye of the tiger where they're walking through the the streets yeah okay this, to me, seemed like a commentary on that video. Like, they're kind of doing the same thing, walking to where they're going to jam in front of Rob Halford, Dave <laughs> Mustaine, and Tommy Iommi, I think. Um, and, and it's not actually them, it's just, like, stand-ins. But they do such a better job than the Survivor uh, video did of it. It, it. it looks like... Like, the Survivor video looks terrible when they're walking to their jam space, right? It just looks awful. They're all stiff and awkward and you know you can tell that like videos are just sort of becoming a thing and they don't really know what it's like to to look at themselves in a music video so they, they just have no self awareness and right. this is the opposite and it's because she's charismatic and she can pull it off and so so that was you know why i made that comment but and it's clearly one of
1: those videos where they know she's pretty and so they're making her the, her prettiness the focus everybody else they don't dress them up to look better right the other guys well, in the band Kind of look
0: frumpy. Well, I think, but I think that's, I, here's the thing. I don't know, because it's not like, it's not like in those, and we're kind of getting off the topic of talent, but it's not, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. not it's not like, so So she's never going to contact you now, Jim. But it, it's, 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 she it's,
1: wrote me a letter, Brendan. Yeah. I actually I, have one when I bought all their CDs.
0: So, well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think they write that. Le- it's probably like one of those form letters that they write to everybody. It probably is, yeah. but it was her uh, signature. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it's not, it's not like, it's not like, uh, she looked pretty the same way that like Bruce Dickinson would look handsome. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she was doing, you know,
1: it, you she wasn't so trying to be alluring or anything. explaining this because I was busting your balls.
0: What was that? So
1: over explaining this. I was just busting your balls.
0: No, I know, I know, but I, I, I want, I want, to, it's an interesting topic, uh, because the, the point I'm making is, you know, that, that aspect of a performer can matter. And it ma- it matters with somebody like Bruce Dickinson. It matters with you know, you know. You, it's sort of like when I was a my dad's in sales, right? My dad's a sales trainer, and I was thinking of getting into sales at one point. And I remember noticing a lot of the people that used to come to the house that he worked with were very attractive. And so I was like, right. I was so I I was like, hey, Dad, can you get into sales if you're not attractive? Like, do you have to be like an attractive person to get into sales? Are you doomed to failure if you're ugly and you're in sales? And and my dad thought for a moment, and he said, no. He said, you have to be striking in some way. You know, you have to have something that you can bring to the table. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I think it's kind of the same with being a front person in a band. You know, you, you, right. you, you don't have to be the most handsome person or the most beautiful person in the world. You know, there, there are people like Ronnie James Dio in this, in, you know, that, that do a great job as a front person. But Ronnie James Dio is very striking. Do you know what I mean? You do not forget what Roddy James deal looks like once you see him. Right. And he's got this way of carrying himself. It, it, it's it, it's almost like you took somebody who should never be a front person of a band and they did everything in their power to, to, to work everything that God gave them. Do you know what I mean? And so... Um, Since we're talking about this, I want to bring up that Quiet Riot is the ugliest band in creation. And
1: nobody in that band was good-looking. And, no, and, ever...
0: And and they made that part of their lyrics too. Do yeah. You, you know, like he talks about his what do you say, his funny face and um in, in come on feel the noise? Uh, yeah.
1: So you say I got a funny face, it makes me money.
0: Yeah. I think it's a line. And so and, and, and that's the thing, his face is you remember that guy's face, right? And so um, but I think for what Unleash the Archers is doing, the reason why that that was important is because they're sort of, like there are a lot of bands like this that that try to do a kind of medieval fantasy science fiction-y thing, right? And they'll put out these videos, and you just won't believe it, right? Because it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just doesn't land. Like you don't believe that this person is a warrior. Do you know what I mean? Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But
0: there are a few yeah. people who can do it. Bruce Dickinson, you can buy striking warrior poses, right? Uh, you know, Britney, you can, you can. Uh, what's what's her last name? Is it uh, is it Hayes. is it Hayes? Brittany Hayes. You you can believe that she's like when she's doing the General the Dark Army thing. You can believe that she's this kind of like the, doing this warrior thing, or in that Tonight We Ride video, and so so you know. I thought that's why I thought that was kind of significant. Um,
1: no, it it is significant. I just like to make fun of the reductionist attitude that you know. Oh, she's pretty yeah. when. I work in a hobby, right? And you work in the same hobby, but I don't think you deal with it as much. I work in a hobby where we are constantly talking about how men react to women at the game table. Yeah, yeah. And so I am hypersensitive about it now. And I've never been that creepy guy anyway. Um, I, I try to treat everybody the same, whether they're pretty or ugly. And yeah. in fact, I don't really trust most pretty people because of my experiences with them.
0: But it's um, very, so very bigoted it big it of you, Jim. What's that? That's very bigoted of you.
1: It is bigoted. I don't like good-looking people. That's why I work <laughs> with you, because you're not good-looking. <laughs> and so, for people that don't know, I can see Brendan. He's got his camera on, yeah. but I don't have a camera, so he can't see me.
0: But, uh, yeah, no, that's – Jim is – you know what I want to do one day? I want to, through Google search, try to cobble together an, an, an avatar for Jim. Do you know what I mean just based on Jim's own descriptions of what he looks like? I think I, I, I think I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, like like you know, like I don't I don't know if Jim has hair. I don't know if he's got a beard. I don't know anything about it. I, I, you know, so all I have is the voice. And voices often, like I found voices to be very unreliable for painting a picture of somebody. Um, but I, yeah, no, and I get that. And, and in the hobby, part of the issue is people are so awkward about it. That's really where it uh, like. We have a lot of people that don't know where the lines are. Um, yeah, yeah, And yeah, so yeah. that's where it becomes a big issue. Um, but I think also you can kind of go, I th- you can kind of go in uh, too far. Like, I, I feel like our culture, we, like, nobody really knows if they're attractive in our culture, right? Like, nobody tells you when you're, when you're growing up if you, what you look like, right? We're always very polite about it. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like even beyond the trying not to be creepy, we have this thing about not really addressing physical appearance in any way, even though it's probably useful information to have, right? Like you, like whether you're ugly or handsome, it's probably good to know just so you can navigate the world with that, with that info, right? And obviously there's subjective nature to it. And it's not like... Yes. This is a fascinating turn with this conversation. It is, but isn't? I, really, I was I wanted, thinking about this the I other day. I want to explore this more. Well, I, was, I really do. I was thinking about it because, remember, I told you, uh, I don't know if it was, at, it might have been before we started recording, but I remember mentioning that one of the first things I learned in Thai from my wife was how to say, oh, you're so beautiful, just because right. that's something that comes up. But they also will tell you if you're ugly. Like one day I was working right. at right. this place called Sticky Rice, and the boss turned around and looked at me, and I had let myself go. Uh, I, I had been doing martial arts and I was I was like in tremendous physical shape and then I just stopped training but I kept eating all the food I was eating and I gained about forty pounds. And, oh my god, and, that's hilarious! And and the and the owner's wife, the co-owner of the restaurant, she uh she she turned around, and she said, and she said it in Thai, but I knew what she said. She said. Uh, she said, Brendan, you're so fat. <laughs> and, right, right. and I was like, Whoa, like it, I never, like nobody in America does that. Right. Like you'd never yeah. do that to somebody. Um, but I, it gave me information I wouldn't have, had. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I instantly started working on this problem. Um, it, it's a cultural thing. I, I was in Vietnam for a
1: month and everybody's so honest there about everything. And it's not meant to be mean spirited when people are telling you you're fat or you're ugly or whatever they're saying they're just giving you information yes yeah, yeah the, the word fat in america has somehow become this ugly term but if you look at it in a dictionary right it is just a descriptor yes there's yes. no qualitative weight to it wait that was an unfortunate pun <laughs> there's no uh gravitas to it beyond just describing something if i said uh, rotund or zaftig or uh What's the the one. Well, rotund
0: sounds like an insult. I would say if I call somebody rotund sounds like a deliberate insult, like that. Yeah, 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 fair
1: enough. Yeah. But if I said uh, Rubenesque, right? Yeah. yeah. Th- those are just descriptions. They're they're the same word over and over. If I see say here suit instead of hairy, right? Here suit can be taken in a number of ways. But if I say hairy you are going to assume that I'm saying it in a negative way, yep. even if you just haven't shaved in a while, because we have this idea. Wow, this is so fascinating that we're going in this direction with this. I grew up in Southern California, and all my friends were Hispanic in uh, East L.A. Mm-hmm. I grew up East L.A., Montebello, South Whittier, those, that area. And all of my friends were Hispanic, and so we we just had a a different communal sense of one another. And you knew if you were good looking or, or whatever, because the best looking people were getting the most attention. You may not tell them that they're good looking, or you may not tell other people that they're ugly, but you
0: knew. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think boys, especially grow up, at least in my era, you grew up knowing your place in the pecking order.
0: Okay. Okay. No, I I spent some time in Southern California and I, I think, I think there is a difference there as well, just from other parts of the country. Maybe, Maybe it's all the sunshine and and just the fact that, like, okay, I live on the East Coast and we generally are not the healthiest people in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, right. in the wintertime, everybody packs on a few pounds. And, the you know, every, on every corner is a sub shop with greasy food and pizza. And, like, that's what people eat. Um, but anytime I go over to California, I'm just struck by how athletic everybody is. And right. I, I think it's yeah. the, just the demand of... I know I'm going to be walking around without a shirt on certain days and I don't want to, you know, be carrying extra weight. But the, the closer
1: you, you live uh, to the city, if you're north or west of the city and you're close to the, the heart of the city, you're expected to be good looking. You're expected to be tall. You're expected to be in shape. Are you saying Those that are in, things,
0: in California in Los, or generally? In, in, in,
1: in, no, in Los Angeles. Okay. Specifically Los Angeles. You're so expected to be you, tall
0: too? What's that? You're expected to be tall?
1: Yeah, if you live on the west side of the city, yeah. I
0: I think that's why I had so much trouble out there. So I'm kind of short, and I remember everybody people out there are so damn tall. Like I had a kid in my class who was like five eleven in the fifth grade. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like who's five eleven in the fifth grade? And I, I that, think it's that because kid. what was that? Yeah, that kid. That kid. Um, yeah, and 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 the, and and their names all it all sound, they all came from nor- northern European places. It sounded like. Right. But, uh, but but I, if I, you live south of Los Angeles or you live east of Los Angeles, you're generally
1: working class and you're not expected to be good looking. You're not expected to be in shape. The further east
0: you go from LA, the fatter people get. Okay. And well, that's I was, a
1: result of suburban life and
0: the kind of food choices that are available. We were by San Diego. We were by uh, Invista. Oh yeah. Uh-huh.
1: All so good looking people in that, San Diego.
0: Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that must have been my problem. I was surrounded by good-looking people.
1: Especially when yeah. you're north of San Diego, right? If you're in La Jolla, that's where all the money is. Everybody has to be good-looking. So there's a certain expectation in, in Los Angeles, I think, and everybody knows it. Okay. And it, if you aren't good-looking enough, I mean, you're not going to get the kind of jobs that are going to promote that those lifestyles. That's a... It's an unspoken truth about LA, I think. Well,
0: LA, I mean, let's be honest. LA is not known for it's known for being superficial right like that's kind right. of it's, it's 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 you know and, and it, even when i went to san francisco i felt a little bit of that there do you know what i mean that's like yeah. you know so uh yeah i think you know it, there's it, there's a big 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 cultural gap there but i think just to bring it back to the to the side topic that was a derailment from the original topic um you know the 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 word for fat in in thai is un. um and so, I, 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 and, and, and it's, and it doesn't have the, like you're saying, it doesn't have the negative connotations that it has in English. That's some of them. And, 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 and it's not all roses and sunshine. Like, it's not easy to, to, to be an overweight Thai person. Do you know what I mean? Like, at least that's my yeah. impression. Um, you know, but it, it, it doesn't feel like it's, a, um, again, when they, when they, if they, when they're, when they're, when they're being honest about what a person looks like, it's just that they're generally more honest about that stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's just right. the way that you know, it's just a cultural difference. But the the side effect of that is everybody has a pretty clear sense of what they are and where they stand with other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and I think in our culture, that's not as present. That's that's something because, and again, it's not even about. Um, the stuff that we were talking about in the gaming community its stuff that goes way deeper in the culture, like way back. Like this is stuff I don't think we've ever really addressed. You know, we, we, we just don't, we, we generally don't comment on other people's appearances. Do you know what I mean? We generally consider that rude. Um, especially if it's a negative, do you know what I mean? Maybe if it's a positive, yeah. but if it's a negative, we would never do that. Um, and so I, don't know, I was just thinking maybe, maybe if we just sort of gave up on that and just, Hey, you're ugly. Uh, you know, then the guy who's ugly knows he's ugly. Do you know what I mean? And then he's like, okay, now, now I know what I'm working with. Do you know what I mean? Now I, now I can, now I can work on the charming wit to counterbalance, you know, my lack of good looks. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. No, I get it. I, there's that Twilight Zone episode about it. I don't know how we're going to now segue back to concept albums. Oh, we'll find this, a way. We'll find a way. All this uh, fat talk, but, uh. uh
0: Well, we could just artificially break back in if you want. That that would be, you know, we don't necessarily that, we don't need like a smooth segue to to, to get from topic. Yeah, topics. that
1: was my smooth segue. Well, man. here's the thing: does anybody I, even care about segues? Down. Like, like,
0: like, honestly, do you do you care if a person makes a smooth transition from topic to topic? Does it affect the quality of your listening? Do you know what I mean? It's 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 just a bow that you put on it. And, and do you know what I'm saying? So. So yeah, so concept albums. We could talk. about I concept.
1: think if you're listening to a professional podcast, you might want some better well, transitions. This, this yeah. is
0: not a professional. Co- this is this is. Well, well, All right.
1: Since, since we've already just dry humped this, topic well, and here's into the thing. I've got to tell a story. Okay. Well,
0: but here's the. Okay, but I do want to. I do want to mention we were going to play a bunch of clips of Unleash the Archers, and we still haven't done that. So I think once you tell your story, we should just do like three. Absolutely. Okay.
1: People probably think we're drunk now. Wow, this is the weirdest episode of this show I've ever
0: heard. I think this is probably the most compelling podcast we've done. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting into when territory all... we've never... Nobody would really even think to talk, talk about. So, Certainly uh, on
1: a metal show. Yeah. Wow, so I was listening to Metalworks the other day. And Jim and Brendan were talking about how bad everybody is. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with 6'8 time, but all right. So, Somebody uh, my nephew has just turned twelve. 12
0: I just 13. want to mention it is called heavy metal, so there is a connection. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just play on Lacey Archer. My story, I don't
1: even care anymore. Just play. Him. All right, all right,
0: all right. So, so I want to play a bit of the Outlander because I think those harmonies are so amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I guess I'll just start it and I'll skip ahead i know it's choppy but we're gonna have to do a little bit of skipping ahead here and there just to avoid the copyright thing so i'll play it for about 20 seconds and once i get up to the 20 second mark i'll skip it ahead oh man there's a long musical intro i forgot about that um i'm gonna skip ahead jim
1: professional podcast
0: perfect I heard that song and I could not stop playing it. I had to keep playing it over and over and over again, and part of the reason is it doesn't sound like a normal metal song. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, you don't yeah, normally yeah. hear metal that sounds that way. But it still was metal. It's just that it did it. It was like coming at it from like out of left field, and the harmonies are. I don't know. I just was really impressed by it. I I I, I think that metal always runs the risk of sounding like hair metal when they overindulge in harmonies, but this was just really working for me and it's kind of unique um so i don't know yeah i
1: I like i think it's a good song it's not my favorite by them but you're right there's a certain groove to it um and even though you're not headbanging to it you're still feeling something you're being you're being moved to action
0: yeah yeah and it's i don't know it just that song i just was like I was, sometimes you hear something and you're like a little bit confused by it. You're like, why am I reacting to this song the way I'm reacting? And, and it was just, I was, I was, I just kept listening to it out of fascination. Um, I'd really love to see, like, I know you're probably never going to see this because it's not well known enough, but I'd love it if somebody could take this song on YouTube and like break it down and say like, this is what she's doing with these vocal harmonies. Do you know what I mean? Uh, this, this is why you like this song. Um, cause I yeah, get there's it. a
1: lot of vocal coaches on YouTube that review songs, but they seem to review the same ones over and over again. They, everybody finds out what somebody just did. Oh, Patricia did this song. I gotta, I gotta do that one now.
0: Well, I think it's cause a lot of them don't know the genre. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they're relying yeah, on yeah. that as a guidepost, but there's a, I can't remember the name of the channel off the top of my head. I think it's 12-tone, but I, I could be way, way off. But there's a channel that breaks down music and, you know, like... like, And it's, it's really visually well done where he kind of scribbles the notes on a page in sort of a quasi-animated way. And right. it just kind of breaks down what's going on. So he'll do it with popular music. Like he did it with Sweet Child of Mine, um, which was actually... That was the first song I learned when I started playing guitar it was the intro to Sweet Child of Mine. But um, but he breaks down why it works, like why it's you know works and you know it would be interesting to see them do that for this uh is there is there a song that you would like to play from unleash the archers catalog i got i got all of them here
1: i love uh uh, bloodline what's the bloodline song what's it called cleanse the bloodline
0: okay do you want me to play from the beginning or do you want me to start like a little? just grab
1: something in the middle it's fine it's all good all right so and i never use that phrase i don't know why it just came out of my mouth It is all of it good. Here we go.
0: I think we stumbled on like on a breakdown. I'm going to skip ahead, Jim, just so we can get into the meat of the song because I feel like we're in like a middle zone. So was that a section of the song that illustrates that?
1: What I love so much about that piece that you just played is that is a drum beat that no one would even think to try to sing over. It I, was
0: so busy. Can I play it was that so again? Busy
1: in that section, can was I, that?
0: Can I play that again? Because I wasn't paying attention yeah. to the drums. Yeah, you were paying attention. Well, I was paying attention, but I wasn't listening to the. I, I can focus on like one instrument at a time usually. Um, there's a lot of fills in that
1: keep listening and then he keeps changing it up
0: oh it's kind of yeah i get what you're saying I forget the word to describe that kind of a rhythm.
1: It's either a polyrhythm or it's not a blast. Uh,
0: no, it's, um, but it's like the same thing from like the Terminator soundtrack. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, yeah. that staggered beat. Um, what
1: What I really uh, sometimes don't like about their music is the mixing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes her voice gets subsumed by the rest of the, the music. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an example of, of a song where she could have used just a little bit more, but it's not so much that she, we can't hear her. Yeah, right. Everybody's working in pretty good harmony there, but a little bit of more, a little bit more, a little bit, uh, a little bit better mixing there would have really catapulted that song over the top. That said, it's still my favorite song by them. Cool. It's just and it's that's- so
0: pulsing forward in her harmonies are outstanding metal always has this too there's always this like how loud should the vocals be thing that kind of and and, and there's right there's almost an aesthetic that a lot of people prefer of having the vocals lower do you know what i mean like like remember i sent you that cathedral album and you know one of the things that that album suffers from especially on the first few tracks is you can barely hear the vocalist Do you know what i mean right it just is and it's purely a result of how they mixed it Um, it gives it a more go ahead here's our perfect segue
1: into concept albums there are times when conceptually that's what you want to do right Uh, Bob Mould has an album called Beaster where you can barely hear his lyrics and that's on purpose because all five songs are played in such a way that that the distortion is what he's focusing that album on he wants you to be in a trance throughout all five of those songs and I think if you're doing an album that way, and I, I can't think of a heavy metal album off the top of my head at the moment, where you're doing a concept album where you want the singer to be subsumed by the rest of the music, I think it, it can work. I just think it's not my preferred style.
0: Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I get I, I, I get that you could, you could sort of do a sub, I don't want to say subpar, but like you could do like in a deliberately, something that would normally be considered bad for sound and, 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 and do it because it fits the concept. Like, I don't know if you, like if you had like a, a concept album that was all industrial and stuff, you might, you might, uh, you might try to make the guitar sound a little bit more grating than it would normally sound. Right. So, um, but at the end of the day, you're also still stuck with that. Like That's still the sound you're hearing no matter how well it fits with the concept. So you you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you still gotta deal with the downside of it. Um, I don't know why what... it almost feels like music's
1: one of those things where we want experimentation, but experimentation can be so dangerous because we're gonna be listening to these songs for twenty years in some cases. And you don't wanna be you don't want that taste in your mouth twenty years later from a band that you used to love.
0: No, that's true. Now what what is your what is your feeling on concept albums in metal? Do you have an opinion on them in general, or like, do you in, like in them in general? I love it. I think
1: uh, I think there's something to be said, and we're going to talk about Seven Son of a Seven Son eventually. I think there's something to be said for sitting down and and not just and we use the word theme a lot wrong, and I've talked about that before. But there's something about picking a theme, some subtext, and an overarching motif and saying we're going to write an entire album about that or maybe half the songs will be about that. Rush used to be fantastic at that, right? They used to be so good at coming up with a concept and making all the songs fit. And then they got tired of doing that
0: cuz that was so much work. Um well, you have to compromise in order to do that. Now now is that is that your definition of a concept album?
1: I don't know that I've ever formally come up with a definition for concept them. I think maybe I should have done that before we started recording.
0: We could do it right now. We can, I mean, you know. Yeah, okay. Ha- I mean, what, because, uh, well, first off, I noticed you said um, that we use theme wrong. And I know I probably use theme very loosely in my speaking. Hey. So what, 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 when you say that, what do you mean? Like, how do people well, normally use theme and how would you prefer people use theme? People always use theme to say, well, the theme of this movie is fantasy. F- mm. Fantasy is a motif
1: or a genre. It is not a theme. Okay. People will say, this is a cowboy theme at this party.
0: Mm. No, that's okay.
1: that's a Liet motif. That's not a theme. But Liet motif sounds pretentious, so nobody's going to say, I'm having a cowboy Liet motif yeah. party. Yeah. It, it um, also
0: sounds very dainty. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um,. But theme is the sub uh, is the culmination of all the subtext of a story. So themes in, in literature are things uh, along the lines of uh, the, the theme here is, is chaos and the struggle of man against nature right Those are themes. those aren't motifs, those aren't genres, those aren't uh, any of the pastiche or, or the, the veneer that we usually ascribe to the word theme. So the theme of, say, Operation Mindcrime is uh, the struggle of the lower class to find any value or power in a society where money, drugs, and guns determine your worth, right? That's an underlying theme of that album. Okay. But the motif is revolution, right?
0: Okay, okay. Now... I'm probably not going to be able to keep these terms straight in my head, so I'll probably just continue to annoy you by by misusing themes <laughs> of this discussion. we don't have to use yeah.
1: them either. But, what we can just say is that concept albums are just when all the songs are tied together.
0: Okay, that that's a good that's a good that's a now. Now you also drew a distinction between concept albums and a and a story concept album as well, which I think is you know they're, they're so sorry. So f- before we even get into that, I I, I know we're going to talk about. Uh, seven son of a seven son on a separate episode so we'll we'll, we'll, we shouldn't discuss that here but we can talk about somewhere in time right because that some people regard that as a concept album i don't believe a lot of the band does but yeah
1: i don't know if it is but go on
0: i I think i think it is a concept album um and i'll tell you why but uh but that's a song i'm looking looking it up go ahead what was that i'm looking it up go ahead okay so i mean every single song in some way is related to time Do you know what I mean? With the exception maybe of Sea of Madness. But I think if I had the lyrics in front of me, I still, you know, I I have a feeling there still might be some connective tissue there. But I mean, everything's about, like everything from caught somewhere in time to wasted years, right? Those are both very clearly connected to time. Heaven can wait, waiting, you know, like the waiting part of it is connected to time. The loneliness of the long distance runner. I mean, distance and time are pretty connected, I think. Um, You know, Okay, maybe Stranger in a Strange Land. I don't know. It's been a while since I've read the book, and I think that might be another song that doesn't cleanly connect to time. But Deja Vu connects to time, and so does Alexander the Great, because Alexander the Great is a figure from a time in history. So I right. think I think that with the exception of two songs, it's basically a concept album. And, you know, I have a feeling those two songs might still have material in them that would connect. So I think it's a it's a... If it's not a concept album, it's it's about as close as you can get, do you know what I'm saying, without being a concept
1: right. album. Right. So um, we could debate whether or not it's a concept album.
0: Uh, but even
1: if it is or isn't, it's not a story album.
0: Correct. That's right? why I brought there it
1: up. Is, so that is the difference between a concept album and a story album. Um, uh, going back to Operation Mindcrime, that is both a concept album and a story album. Quadrophenia is a concept album and a story album. A lot of what Pink Floyd does is both concept and story. Mm-hmm. But not all of the time do you have both things. And I don't know if there's a story in Seven Son of a Seven Son, which we'll talk about. There's there, some indication that there's a little bit of a story, but a lot of that stuff
0: is just talking about the kid. There's... So my understanding is there is sort of a story running through it. But it's... It, it, We'll get, into it. we'll get into it when we do Seven Seconds yeah, because yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, like yeah. we're going to eat up some of that conversation. But it's, it's, not, it's not like Operation Mindcrime or a King Diamond album. King Diamond would be another example of a story. Like all of his albums pretty much are story concept albums. Um, so I think Somewhere in Time is a great opportunity to talk about the term theme again. And
1: A Matter of Life and Death does this too, where the, the underlying theme and subtext of the album is time. So maybe they don't agree with it as a concept album because it is a thematic album Mm. and now we're getting really picky uni and I don't mean to, but matter of life and death, God appears on a lot of those songs. And I don't know if Steve's getting religious or if he's rejecting religion with that album specifically, but God has a huge place on that album and dance of death had a lot of misery in it. Um, And he didn't used to do that on albums i can't stand the final frontier so i'm not even going to talk about that one um but when they did we talked about this brave new world they were just putting together as better, good of an album as they could because they wanted to apologize for what happened and they were yeah. bringing bruce back um so i don't think there was room to be clever on that album um bruce dickinson did that album uh chemical wedding is that the name of the album I think that is the name of the album. That is a concept album, but it is not a story album. I don't know if you've listened to it, but most of the album is about the tarot and it is about um, it is about all these mystical elements that are tied into one another through not in every single song but in a number of different songs. If you sit down and listen to it and listen to the lyrics... I've,
0: I've listened to the album. I can't say that I'm super familiar with the lyrics, but I ha- it's yeah. a good album. I remember that being one, a fantastic of better, album. one of his better solo albums. Yeah, um, That's a whole other topic, but I think... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, Okay, so with Iron Maiden, just to address the Steve Harris thing, number one, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know how many songs off of A Matter of Life and Death he wrote because I know in recent years he's, he's sort of... Been more open to, uh, to letting other people's ideas come into the to the music. It was, a, I mean, he and Dickinson were generally the the lead lyricists, but uh, I I don't I don't know what the ratio is on that album. But in terms of God and stuff, I feel like it's come up a lot in a lot of their music. I think I don't I, I think that's a you know uh, something that that he's maybe a little bit preoccupied with. Is Harris wrote on every single song
1: for Matter of Life and Death. He wrote okay. Okay. He wrote on every single one and only wrote one by himself.
0: Okay. Okay. Did he uh does it say lyrically which It does. Uh, oh,
1: not on the Wikipedia page. It does not. It just okay.
0: lists him. This is um, why I miss having the physical copies of CDs <laughs> right, because right. they usually break things down so much more clearly. Um It's also why in recent years I just can't even be bothered to learn the lyrics to most of the music I listen to. Um you know if i don't have like a handy little booklet i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go. I, so
1: i'll be honest my um, eyes are going cuz i'm so old
0: me too I, me too
1: i can't read the, the the little cd booklets i have to go online to look up the lyrics
0: I, I on in all honesty i probably have the same thing i get my eyes i have trouble focusing it's not that my uh it's not that my vision is getting worse it's just that i i have trouble reading Do you know what i mean it's just i can't focus as well as i used to and so I get tired more quickly and I, I would rather spend my time reading other things than song lyrics um, so my attitude now is if I can understand what they're saying I'll learn the lyrics do you know what I mean um, but but yeah I, I don't know uh, what would you say is a bad example of concept album like you know like what what what, what do you not want with a concept album what do I know? I,
1: I think I don't really what's the name of the band they did that cover of Holy Diver. Kill Switch Engage? I don't think is I, I do Yeah, even they're know. a they're a metal band and they do a lot of of uh, fantasy I think anytime we talk about power metal bands doing fantasy concept albums, they're always bad. Right? I think uh, I don't think Coheed and Cambria is a metal band mm-hmm. but i hate the story that he's been writing throughout those albums it is annoying
0: i think so Here, here's i was thinking about that because you know we just played a bunch of Unleashed the archer songs and that's what they do they do concept albums that are based they around do. science fiction fantasy and i was like why am I okay with this and I'm not okay with like the way that Rhapsody does it or the way that some of these other bands do it? Like not that I it hate Rhapsody, but it, I just, I, you know, it kind of bothers me the way that they do things. Um, I don't ahead. think
1: it gets in the way with Unleash the Archers. And I don't think it gets in the way with some of these other bands um, from you enjoying, you can enjoy an individual song. The sword does it a lot, right? They did yeah. warp writers as an album. The entire thing is one long story. Yeah. But the Three Brujas, that song and Night City, they are so good by themselves that I don't necessarily need to listen to the entire album to to get them, to understand them. And I think if you're giving me something where I, I have to go and read 70 more lyrics to understand what you're saying in this song, at my age, I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Unless it's really, really good. You have to grab me with it. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and I don't have enough of a sense of the, the, the quality of the lyrics with Unleash the Archers yet. I have a vague sense, but not enough to like sort of say, well, that would be the thing that really pushed it over the edge. So yeah. it must be the music and the tone. Right. And all I know is when I listen to them, I I feel like they handle it in a way that is much closer to how Iron Maiden used to handle it versus how a band like Rhapsody would handle it. Do you know what I'm saying? It just, yeah. it, it just feels different to me. I don't know if it's maybe that rhapsody takes it too seriously do you know what i'm saying or if it's like you're saying it's just the quality of the music um or if there's uh if there's just more of an honesty about this is what we're doing but either way it it doesn't have the same impact on me um but i I would kind of agree with what you're saying i think I, i don't know i mean is it only fantasy stuff or is it with any any genre do you know what i mean like like what if it's what if the what if the concept isn't fantasy? What if the concept is noir or or science fiction or or uh, western? Does this does this issue still apply? I I haven't ever heard
1: noir or western. I think if somebody did a noir album, I would really embrace it um, regardless of quality. So because it would be so fun the first time. I, science fiction is the same problem, right? It's overdone yeah. and. The, the range of what is defined by science fiction is the same problem I have with fantasy, right? We talked about in the last uh, podcast about Glory Hammer and that song Magnus or whatever the well,
0: that and, nonsense is. But, but let's be honest about was. why that's bad. That's bad because their made-up words are bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was it's, the thing that really right. made it terrible.
1: Well, and, and it's power metal with all of that over-the-top synthesizer noise and it, all the ingredients were coming. And they're called Glory Hammer, right? Yeah, Who yeah. didn't stop and say, this is, nothing we're doing is right. This entire combination okay. of elements.
0: So I can tell you, I think that when they sat down and they said Glory Hammer, I think they must have thought that that was an amazing name.
1: Um, I, I'm assuming English right. is not their first language. I don't even want to research these guys and find anything out. But I honestly think that english is in their first language and that is also another thing that will kill a concept album is if you're if you're say swedish or german right so scorpions mm. are notorious for having horrible lyrics but you give them a pass because they're german and klaus is a great singer and Rudolf schenker is a great guitar player and i never remember the other guy's name um, so you give them a pass for a lot of things but if they were an English band or an American band and singing with those same dumb lyrics, I don't know that people would like them as much. I
0: mean, I'm pretty forgiving if it's English as a second, like like for example, Candlemass has the album Tales of Creation, which is actually my favorite Candlemass album, and it's all religious themes. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a great song in there called uh, "The Edge of Heaven," um, which if you want, I could play a clip of, but we don't have to. And the but again, a lot of the time, the you know, English is, is 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 I don't think their first language. Generally, you don't notice it, but every once in a while, you notice an odd phrasing. Do you know what I mean? You just be like, "Well, I wouldn't have described it that way," but okay, right, I right, saying. exactly. Um, but I, that doesn't bother me. That that because I I sort of give an A for effort. If you know what I mean, like if I can sense that effort was put into this, and it wasn't just the person who was just kind of lazily saying it, then I will give them a pass. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like with with concept albums, I think there's a lot to what you're saying about genre, and it's the fact that it's that these are overused genres, and so you're just never getting anything new. And the and really, what needs to be done if if you want it to have a you know to to be refreshing is they need to bring something new to the genre. Do you know what I mean? They need to bring in something that hasn't been done to death, or they need to explore a genre that just hasn't been explored. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you were saying, like a noir or a wuxia or a, um, I don't know, what's a, what's another genre, you know, a, a farce or something, something that's, uh, you know, not, uh, not just, you know, this, the same flavor of fantasy, which again, right. I think, I think that's another reason. And we're kind of picking on power metal, but I think another reason why the power metal thing annoys both of us is because they don't just want to like it's not like hey, let's make a great concept album. It's like we have to make a good power metal album, fantasy album. Do you know I mean it's like there are all these boxes that have to be checked off about yeah. what it makes yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's and it's never about breaking through and getting better. It's about hitting that that like right. you know mediocre. It's about checking moves. off back boxes. Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Sword doesn't sound like a a band that would have concept albums. Yeah, they're they're this sludgy metal band. And so the fact that they do concept albums is just a bonus on top of the fact that they're already really good at what they do. And I think that that, that needs to be the objective. Um, Getting back to Queen's Rag, I think this is a perfect example, so we're not picking on yep. power pedal. Uh, the Warning, uh, Rage for Order, is Operation the, Mind Crime, or Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, is The Warning a concept album?
1: It is a concept album or a theme album, yeah. I'm okay. not sure exactly which, and Rage for Order is definitely a theme album, but it's when they get to Operation Mindcrime that they do a concept story album. And I think the fact that they were dedicated to being really good at their craft and then writing about things that they cared about, right? You can tell when somebody's just writing about something because they feel that, oh, we're a power metal band, so we have to have a song about armor clashing. What was that other, Hammerfall, that other band? They have six songs with the word hammer in them.
0: I mean, how ridiculous is that? that? Yeah, well, and again, you know, Dio with Rainbow. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> Dio, look, um,
1: but again, he gets a pass because he's so good at what he does.
0: Dio, Dio can do anything he wants. Like, that's... Yeah. that's, yeah. that's you know, I have to say Dio. There was a period of time, like maybe from the late '90s to the early 2000s, when he was getting a lot of flack for being kind of this ridiculous thing from the, the from the '80s. Do you remember that when people like there was a period where Dio was not getting the respect that he got back in the day or that he gets now? Um, right. Which I found disheartening. He a
1: lot of bad albums.
0: <laughs> well, no, but it wasn't about that. It was mainly people picking on him for his earlier work. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, I remember like a lot of uh, those morning zoo shows for whatever reason he got picked up as somebody that was an easy target if you wanted to look smart and like you were making fun of like a metal band from the age you know what i mean like like yeah i, I remember we had a, we had a we had a show uh in boston called toucher and rich and they used to they would harp on dio all the time and i used to get furious because this is way besides the point but the one of the main hosts there was a was a was a a former history student and so he used to talk a lot the, like he sounded a lot like me when he would talk Do you know he would bother me that he sounded a lot like me and that he <laughs> thought a lot like me and I felt like he used all of these tools for evil purposes uh and 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 one of them was he just you know just like it's fine to be critical right like critical is fine like you're very critical of things right but that's because you want to experience something that wows you but there are some people who they just make a name for themselves by just criticizing all the time right and right. that's what this show did and dio is one of their targets and so you know i you know i'm glad that his reputation is is i'm glad that he's not treated that way anymore i'm glad that he's venerated the way he should be but getting back to to queens that was uh so you 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 had talked a lot about queens and i started looking into them the warning is the only album of theirs that i really know because i i was trying to take right. my time with queens because they're not like they're not the kind of band that I want to just breeze through their whole catalog. Do you know what I mean? I, right. I almost right. want to experience it in the time. Like I almost want to have it play out over years. Do you know what I'm saying? As yeah. if I was living through it because I feel like it, it, it's just that kind of band. So I, I started listening to the warning and I fell in love with it and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous album. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like I did such a disservice to Queensryche. I, I, I always just assumed they were just a hair band because of "Silent Lucidity." Do you know what I mean like it just that? Oh, that, that and yeah. and that's actually a good song. Like like in hindsight, I can say that's a good song. But back in the day, when "Silent Lucidity" used to come on MTV or something, I used to be like, "Oh man!" Like you know, now I'm going to be bored for the next five minutes. Do you know what I mean? It just was like because yeah. yeah, I I wasn't into that sound. Um, well,
1: and that's a bad album, by the way. Um, but isn't that Queen's one of the most popular albums? Is it is, it, it is the most popular. It, because non Queensrÿch fans pit were picking it up, I it, get you. I I had the benefit of doing exactly what you're talking about. I they were coming out with albums and I was picking them up as they were coming out. So when Empire hit, one I was in college and I didn't give a shit about metal anymore, um, and two it was made it was made for a different audience. It wasn't made for hardcore Queensrÿch fans. Okay. There's a lot of bad songs on there. Um, there's a song about just being being in a relationship with a woman who's never around and I just thought oh, how did you get from all this brave new world Aldous Huxley and um, uh, animal farm like themes in the background of your albums you know identity and computers replacing us and now you're talking about your girlfriend's not around any time ta- anymore and the the takeout food got cold. <laughs> How did it's, it's, how did that happen? How did that transition happen? And it was really painful to be in that era and see that happening to one of your favorite bands.
0: Was Jet City Woman from Empire? Yeah. I mean, that was actually a pretty decent song, though. You know what I mean? Like it it's was, like no. I'm sorry? It was not, but go I, ahead. I, I, I kinda like that song. Like I gotta admit, I, I I enjoy that. So whenever that song would come on, I would enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Um But I can also say it's definitely not operating in the same way as um as like a song like before the so what is it before the storm or um I'm trying to remember the other one that I really like take hold of the flame, take hold of the flame roads, um, of madness. Ro- roads to mad yeah that roads to madness is great now, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the warning, and I'm okay. just noticing number one their professional rank rating thing that they they put up is all over the map, but number two the Rolling Stone album guide only gave this one and a half stars out of five. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> which I don't think I'm ever going to trust Rolling Stone for anything anymore. That's yeah. terrible. That's like, that. this was an amazing album. I don't, I, I'm surprised that it got such a low rank. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, but I can't say, here's the thing though. How important is it that the warning is a concept album? To enjoying it not at all so I, you can enjoy that thing whether
1: you're listening to every single nuanced little lyric and by the way because of the way his voice operates you think he's saying one thing and he's saying something usually 10 times smarter than what you okay. think he's saying okay uh, i i to this day i'm going back and i'm learning lyrics that i would, thought were one way and oh my god he's saying that Holy shit Sanctuary is such an amazing song No Sanctuary NM156 I could go on all day about that album No that um, I, you remove any one song on there and you still got 10 amazing songs
0: I I was playing like three or four songs from this album over and over again for yep. days and days and days and and I wasn't getting bored with them because they they weren't following the st- like they were familiar but they weren't f- so familiar that they followed all the standard chord progressions they were going and they would kind of go in a slightly different direction than you were expecting melodically um i i was really blown away by this album um and i and i was I, I, so, so yeah I, I but but i don't know i'm just i'm just wondering like with certain bands like like with King Diamond he doesn't work if he's not doing concept albums almost right like that's that's sort of the point of listening to you want to get a con- like, like I mean I like his individual songs too but I just mean it would be really weird if he put out an album that isn't a concept album do you know what I mean it doesn't it doesn't it it, it doesn't feel right when he does that do you know what I mean like and some of the merciful fate stuff isn't concept album right like i think the the um, the the, the first two albums are, are, are not concept, but then by the time you get to um, uh, what is it Fatal Portrait, right? Isn't that? Um, I think it's Fatal Portrait. Let me double check. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I want, I don't. I don't want to piss off any of the 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 the. Oh no, that's his. That's his. Uh, that's that's his debut album. So no, it was. I think Don't Break the Oath has a little bit of uh, concept. I can't remember. Um, but either way by the time you get to like Abigail and them and all that stuff, you, you, he's, he's in full concept mode and, and it's just sort of what you expect. Um, but I'm just wondering, does that, does that like, is that like a hurdle for, for listeners? Right. Like, is that like, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you find concept albums maybe a little bit intimidating? Not me. No. Do you think Um. listeners do?
1: I don't know. Rush 2112 is the most popular concept album of all time, right? People love it. People love that story. They love reading that lyric, those lyrics, and, following the story
0: about this guy who finds a guitar. And it's not metal, but what was it? The American Idiot was like a concept album and that was, yeah. wasn't that Green Day's biggest album? Like...
1: Yeah, well, and it was a good album. I, I don't like Green Day, and I have to admit that's a good
0: album. I'm the same way. I, I can't stand Green Day, but that album, whatever reason, it was it was a decent album. It uh yeah, it, it's like it, I think it's one of those things where every once in a while there's like a cultural moment where things just align properly, and that album perfectly captured that moment in time. Um, yeah, just in how it sounded, the themes it was addressing. Uh, it was it had a vaguely Christmassy sound. I thought that album. <laughs> or, don't you agree it had like a, a 1950s yeah. chris also they were they were they were like blatantly stealing a lot of melodies from existing songs and no well, and nobody ever yeah. comments on that i i don't what? understand why that never gets caught com- like like there's a brian adams song right in the middle of one of their songs there do you know what i mean
1: <laughs> well it's a rock album too it's not a punk album like their original work yeah. was but why doesn't uh. anybody address the musical theft? like i don't know because nobody, nobody likes brian adams nobody's willing to Die a hill But for
0: him. He, no but here's the thing that what that reveals is people do like Brian Adams and they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. There's I I think it's the Summer of 69 that that they that they take. There's a passage in there that is just this like like the chorus from the Summer of 69 or one of the build-ups. And I I
1: didn't I don't think I ever really caught that, but you're probably right. It,
0: and there's like four or five things like that in that album. It's like like really common. Um it sounds like it's deliberate but then there's no 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 one ever comments so or at least back in the day I never heard anybody comment because um, I thought that's what they were doing I thought that they were deliberately taking all of this music uh, I think they even take music that I'm pretty sure was like a theme song from a sitcom and and use it for the melody but uh, it's been a while though since I've listened to it but but yeah I don't know I it, it, that's always bothered me. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm, I'm glad you got it out, again out yeah. of your system. I hope their lawyers don't come after us.
0: What are they going to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, gonna... let's
1: play some of their music so they can. Yeah, show then, us then
0: they can come after us. I mean, okay. Let me be clear. I believe that those songs bear striking <laughs> similarity to the. You know,
1: I I don't I, care. Yeah. I really don't care.
0: But you don't need to defend yourself. Well, I mean, we already got like the the copyright claims on YouTube. Who knows what what lawyerly algorithms have been created for this sort of thing. You know, may, maybe there's like a libel and defamation algorithm that people use I, on.
1: I was going to say that I said on our next recording, we should say something about some, we should make up a story about a lead singer from a band. <laughs> like,
0: who should we pick? Like who's somebody that we should lie about? Um, well,
1: definitely somebody that's not alive anymore. So they can't sue
0: us. I think, that no, would... I think it's more entertaining if it's somebody who's alive because somebody who's I... dead, if it's somebody who's dead, it's like they can't defend themselves. Do you know what I mean? If it's somebody who's alive, then they can punch back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Axel Rose. Like we should say, like Axl Rose oh, was, was yeah. found or in bed with a showcase. goat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or something like that. Um, yeah. But, and he's somebody that would come after you. Um, but, and he'd probably take it way, he he would take it way more seriously than would be warranted. Like nobody cares about this little podcast. <laughs> and And he would just... He would dedicate himself. Hey
1: Axel, there's this uh, podcast. They got 40 guys listen to it. They said something about your mom. You want to go after him?
0: Oh, it would be a war. It would be a war. Um. So also, I I, I did want to uh I did want to get back to uh unleash the archers because we 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 didn't do a third song. Um. And and you know we kind of wanted to help promote some of their material. Uh. uh the awakening let's see well the only thing is uh, we we we've played we haven't played anything from uh time stand still that's the like all the other albums we've played something from the album like time stand still we talked about it earlier it's a good song all right um should i just jump into the middle or you want me to go from the beginning
1: yeah wherever
0: all right we'll jump into the middle here as soon as amazon music <laughs> That is the most Bruce Dickinson thing in the world.
1: So That little that little back, background on and on when the guys are singing that, that's very power metal, right? That is, that's that is. That's something if they were singing about hammers hitting anvils, you wouldn't be surprised that that was how they harmonized.
0: No, that's true and I'm not sure the song even needs it. But it doesn't particularly bother me in this song, the way it no, bothered me No, right no, it doesn't. So, um, let me just resume this.
3: All
0: right, so we're coming on the 22nd mark, so I want to stop it there. But, but that's, I mean, that to me is beautiful. That is like the, the, uh, that is like everything metal should be. Do you know what I mean? Just that the power and the voice it's harkening back to British new wave style of vocals, which I think honestly is maybe the direction that metal should have gone. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. I'm really starting to think maybe the reason sometimes newer metal doesn't do it for me. And I think maybe part of the reason is just the direction vocals went, Um right. This really works. And uh and again, I mean, wouldn't you agree that's like that's super Bruce Dickinson what she's doing there. Um, but it's not like she's imitating him. It's just that you can just definitely hear the influence.
1: No, yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's the thing that always made me laugh about uh, Metallica and Megadeth, right? They claim all this new wave of British metal influences, but none of their lyrics or their, their vocals match this the the mentality
0: of that era. Um, well, vocally, they're nothing like British new. York. Yeah. Guitar wise. They are, you can hear. Yeah.
1: Guitar wise. Absolutely. But, yeah. and again, we talked about this before and I, there's no fixing that. It's just a minor complaint. It's just that with James Hetfield's voice and with Dave's voice, they're just so flat. They're in this really minor range, this small range, not minor as a key, but there's, Narrow range of music of sound mm-hmm. that it's but not I mean, until later when he finally gets some training does James Hetfield even really, I don't know, become a
0: vocalist, in my opinion. He's almost just reciting lines well he's he's rhythmic and he's guttural but the thing is yeah. i like that threat like there are certain thrash bands so let's talk about thrash vocals right because that's kind of isn't that kind of where a lot of this comes from i mean i guess you could say it comes from motorhead and bands like that like there's there's proto sound but this guttural growl kind of really starts to take shape i think around thrash wouldn't you say yeah yeah well and- i mean it's not like that's not the death voice like james Hetfield is not doing death metal but you can it's- is overkill thrash i think so because um, they
1: don't have that sound they don't they don't sound like uh, tom araya from slayer but not every thrash band has that i'm just saying okay fair like, enough, but, fair enough. but sorry, like i, I mean
0: deep. anthrax megadeth testament you know slayer um you know metallica uh they they you know most of them that was sort of the signature voice right like that's how they're that was the expectation if you were listening to thrash there were bands that didn't do it um and so you know i I, maybe that's because they're drawing upon punk right and punk
1: does the same thing there's no range to a lot of punk vocalists Um, yeah
0: but 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 also i mean they're kind of drawing off of um I don't know, like, how how much of an influence do you think... Like, I know with Megadeth, it's definitely an influence. And Mustaine is very vocal about what an influence it is. With
1: right. with
0: other bands, I'm not as sure if punk was a big... Like, you know, I don't hear punk in Metallica as much. Do you know what I mean? Especially once you have, like... Once the, the Mustaine stuff is kind of not in the picture anymore.
1: Yeah, I that first album definitely is all punk.
0: Right? Yeah. You're right. Yeah.
1: Once they find their sound... Um, on master of puppets punk is completely stripped out
0: yeah so 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 i don't know but 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 i do think that with thrash that sound works it's it's it fits the because thrash is riff based it's 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 it, probably one of the most riff based forms of of, of of metal that you have and right. the vocals are kind of aping a guitar doing riffs do you know what i mean like that's That's what his voice sounds like to me. It sounds like, it sounds like he's using it like a guitar, not like he's using it like a, like a vocalist uses his voice. If
1: that is true, then that is definitely where all the guttural lyricism comes. Uh, Not lyricism, uh, vocals come in later years from band, because that's exactly what the, the growl is. It's just another musical instrument. It's not really singing.
0: No. and, And it, and it's, I would, it's actually it's funny. I was I was re-listening to some death the other day because of our conversation, and I was noticing the early like in death is I thi- I, I I probably should have gone and done done some research to confirm, it, but I'm pretty sure that they're like the first death metal band or like one of the first. And the the vocals sound like they sound like death metal, but there's also like a screaming in there. Do you know what I mean there's like it's it's not quite what death metal became by the mid '90s or so. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so I I I I think with a lot of this early vocal stuff going on from thrash to early death to some of the doom and death rock stuff, there was still sort of a unique signature quality to it. And what eventually happened was it became a type that you had to hit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you had to. You, you had to get all of, like there were like five hallmarks of what the voice is supposed to sound like and you were expected to get all of them. Whereas right. some of the earlier ones, you might not hit all of them and you might add something different. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, if you, but I, I, I would, I oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that it's worth people's time to go back and listen to some of, like, like listen to, um I think the name of the album is Scream Bloody Gore. I could have the album title wrong, but it's the first death album. Listen to yeah. them. and and just compare it to some of the newer stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, But uh, what were you going to say? I I think I've lost the thread, but um,
1: yeah, I've lost the thread. It's okay. Don't worry about it.
0: That's all right. It's disappointing, but it's okay. No, 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 I just lost (laughs) it.
1: I don't even remember exactly what I was going to say. I think, um, yeah, I think that that a lot of these bands, there's a problem with our taxonomic approach sometimes, maybe more than yours. Um, because I'm so anal sometimes about, and I'm puritanical about what I think metal should be, that it is a lot of box checking, right? Mm. It's, do they have this? Do they have this? Do they have this? Okay, well, then it's not metal. They didn't do all those four things. Oh, um, I
0: get you. I, and, I get you.
1: And I, I'm i guilty of it a lot, and I realize that about myself, but there are people that like corn and Godsmack and all that stuff, and they're allowed to like it, right? I don't think it's good, and I don't think it's metal, but that doesn't stop people from being able to enjoy it and listen yeah. to it and, and all this other stuff. I think the taxonomic approach, it, it puts people in these confined boundaries of what they can do if they want to do. And it, it's probably one of the reasons why Death Metal and Grindcore and all these other new extreme brands of metal are running their course much quicker than traditional Heaven Metal ran its course. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I, I'm, re- I'm rediscovering the band Satan, right? Um, I haven't listened to them since the eighties. "Cruel Magic" is the new album that just came out, and I can't believe how good it is, right? Maybe I mean, did you listen to it, "Cruel Magic"?
0: No, I haven't. In fact, I was going to just say maybe that should be something that some homework I do because I think I think that would be interesting to cover. Um, the I want to talk about taxonomy in general. I mean, this comes up in gaming too, which we're also involved in. It comes up a lot and. I think, I think, number one, you're coming from a good place with it because you're trying to expel corn from metal, right? Like, there's a reason why you... There's a <laughs> right. reason...
1: Good thing.
0: Well, you, there's a reason when you hear corn, you're like, this sounds like metal, but it's not metal, and why is that, right? right? And in response to that question, you create these boxes for metal to just to figure out why corn isn't metal. And maybe the problem is then when we take those boxes and we apply them to every other band, we start creating problems. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I'll give a gaming example. Uh, remember when 4E came out? And I don't know your opinion on 4E, so maybe we're about to trot into a big landmine here. But I, I don't know your opinion on the edition. The but when it came out, it was obviously controversial, right? Like people really liked it or they really didn't like it. It was really polarizing. And yeah. I remember I was in the camp that didn't like it because I am a little bit more traditional. And... I tried to figure out why, and I, I came upon a lot of answers. A lot of them were things I found online, like the uh, dissociated mechanic thing, and, they, and there were there were explanations that at the time it sort of fit, right? But then what I noticed is I started taking those explanations and saying, "Okay, now I'd never want to deal with dissociated mechanics because 4e had them, and a role playing game can't have that." Do you know what I mean? That's right. it's it's something that made 4e the thing I didn't like. The problem was. I realized that while it felt like a good explanation for why I didn't like 4E, something went wrong when I started applying it to other RPGs. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and, so I, and I realized, oh, I'm, I'm now creating this list of requirements that is reducing my enjoyment of role-playing. Right. And so I guess what I'm getting at is I think it's not that the categorization that I was doing was wrong. It's that I wasn't factoring in subtle things like it's about the quantity. Do you know what I mean it's about is right. the game all dissociated mechanics or is it a little bit and and does it really matter is it it's not the fact that it's dissociated that bothers me it's just the way that it took shape in this game and i'm i'm using dissociated mechanics as a as an easy shorthand to explain something that just on an instinctual level bothered me it didn't it didn't matter that it was dissociated or whatever you wanted to call it it was just something in this game was I just had a natural negative reaction to something about listening to corn. You have a natural negative reaction to, I have a natural negative reaction to, and we can find a handy descriptor and make it into a box that we check, but there might be a band that can do that thing and do it well. And it's just the corn happened to suck at it. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 um, right. So
1: well, a Gojira does the guttural vocals, but they get a pass with me. Right. Okay. And they shouldn't get a pass, but they do because they're so good at everything else. But if you. I don't like Testament, right? I, you bring him up a lot. Yep, yep. I can't. I don't like his voice, right? His voice. So I, no.
0: Let me just say the voice is the most off putting thing about Testament, in my opinion.
1: Right. Um, and I want to like some of their work.
0: I can't stand Pantera. He, his voice ruins the band. I want to like the work. I can't. I don't even want to like Pantera. I hate Pantera. Well, that's, yeah, Pantera, passage.
1: that's fair. They're yeah. not even.
0: I have never liked them. I never liked their ad. Here here's what I don't like about Pantera, and I know this is going on a on a tirade. I don't like when um I don't like I, I call it douche metal, and I don't like bands that embody that. And to me, they just embody it. Like they're like they're when when I was playing guitar, me and my cousin we used to we used to call them guitar jocks. There were people that that were musicians, but they didn't have like the mindset or attitude of musicians. They weren't artists. They were jocks. Do you know what I mean? Right. And right, they right. brought that attitude to it. It was like playing guitar with a wrestler. And when I watched Pantera, I feel like I'm watching a bunch, I'm watching wrestlers on stage play music. Um, right. And I don't have a problem with wrestlers. Like I, I, outside of the context of music, I'm fine with hanging out with wrestlers. Though I think they are the most, of of all the people involved in combat sports, wrestlers are probably the most douchebaggy and annoying. but, <laughs> but, but I'm fine with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, but in music, I don't want that. I want artists in music. I don't want meatheads. And, and so I don't know. I, I felt that, uh, Pantera just, and also that that dude that I forget his name, but the, the singer, he's just like, like, normally somebody being a terrible person doesn't make me say, I don't want to listen to their music. Like I'm, I generally don't factor that in to, to the work. But in their case, I just find it real. I find it really hard to ignore what a terrible guy he is. You know, not only on top of what he said, but that he's like basically kind of responsible for the death of the guitarist. Like, there's just all kinds of things. Um, so I just, I just don't, don't like that band. But, you know, end of tirade. You know, continue with what you were saying. Um, I,
1: I, I uh, oh, I was going on about I was, yeah, I lost it there for a second. Yeah. To ride on what you just said, really quick zach wilde drives me fucking nuts and okay his, his fans are the worst fans in music i have been to one of tw- two of his shows actually because mm-hmm. he was an opening act twice and i've i've never seen a group with so short of vocabulary and so ready to get into a fight they just love the fight
0: but getting back to and Pantera, he's a great guitarist too. I should say he is, he's a sure. really good guitarist. But sure. now, what is it? What is it about him you don't like? Though, like what? Like is it the? It there's just this. I don't. I don't know. It's the same reason
1: people don't like Ted Nugent as a person, mm-hmm. right? Well, let's Struggle talk about Ted Nugent. Fanta- let's talk Struggle about holds Ted. Holds
0: a fantastic song, but Ted's a douche. Ted, yeah. I, so here's my. So here's the thing about Ted Nugent. I am about as far on the like i'm pretty opposite ted nugent in terms of political belief right like i don't agree with virtually anything i've heard him say um one of my one of the troubles i have though is he's a really important guitar player right like you can't you can't you can't you can't play guitar and not listen to ted nugent and one thing i and again i know i just said i can't listen to pantera because the terrible person but one of the things i see happen with ted nugent because he's 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 deliberately provocative, right? Like he goes out of his way to anger people that disagree right. with him. Um, is I see a lot of reevaluations of Ted Nugent's legacy in light, of, like people will say, ah, you know, he, you know, he, he's 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 a jerk, and his music was never good either. And and I, I don't think that's true. I think that, uh, I, and when people go back and they criticize him, they'll often criticize him by focusing on his lead playing rather than his rhythm which is what he's kind of important for. Do you know what I mean? Is the the reason to listen to, to Ted Nugent is the riffs and 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 like the muscly power that he gets into them. Do you know what I mean like the, the, there's a and I guess where I'm going in terms of the douchebagginess is you almost don't get a guitar player like that unless he's a douchebag. Do you know what I'm saying? Like and I know I just said I don't want douchebags in metal. But but he's like he okay, he uh, why why is it that i like i can listen to ted nugent and i i can appreciate the douchebagginess but i can't listen to corn or pantera because the douchebagginess drives me up the wall i think it's because there's a jim morrison quality to ted nugent's douchebagginess do you know what i mean there's like an unhinged this guy is crazy artistic element to it that isn't present in like corn or like with corn and pantera i feel like they just want to get drunk and late do you know what i mean and with ted nugent i feel like this guy is feeding some kind of madness that is not normal do you know what i mean like there's there is something wrong with this guy and that's why his music sounds the way it does that's why he behaves the way he does do you know what i'm saying and it, it it's sort of more of the more of the dysfunction that i expect to see in an artist than a douchebag do, does that make sense or am I, I just think, bumbling? There? I think
1: Ted started out as an egomaniac, but he was wild and crazy and he defined a certain sound for rock and roll. Mm. He didn't become controversial and outlandish with his politics until much later.
0: Yeah, that's Paul true. and that's
1: Salmo, is that his name from Pantera? That sounds He right. seems to have a disdain for the audience. There's this attitude of, we're just above all of you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that Ted's never felt like that, right? Discard, despite all of Ted's flaws as a person, he feels like a guy you could go have a beer with yeah. after the show. Well, he feels I don't even like want to be you, in the same county with Paul.
0: Yeah, no, like I feel like with Ted Nugent, he will go off about, you know, liberals and stuff like that and say, say all these things. But if you go up to him and say, hey, I'm a liberal, I disagree with you, but I want to sit down and talk, you could probably have a conversation with him. Um, you're probably going to hear a lot of shit. Do you know what I mean? You're probably going to hear a lot of stuff you don't like, but you could probably have a conversation. I feel like if you tried that with the guy from Pintero, you get punched in the mouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's kind of the difference. Right. Um,
1: Right. If you tried to talk to him about anything that he didn't agree with, it it would just lead to a fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you get sucked. So, so I think that's the difference. Also stranglehold is like you said, it's a good, like stranglehold, uh, that's the, It's a top ten song from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. You have right? you have to know "Strength." If, if you don't know that song and you play guitar, you that you have to go and listen to it. Um, and it's not a song you could not make that song now. Do you know what I mean? That's there's that song wouldn't get made these days. Uh, it's only something that could have been made in the seventies. Um,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So we we've been going on for like an hour and yeah. thirty minutes here is there anything else you want to bring into the conversation? I know we barely talked about concept albums, but
1: uh... <laughs> I think we talked about it enough as a, as a concept. I don't think we got into any specifics of albums that we liked other than a few Queens, right? Things. Um, I think uh, Judas Priest's concept album about Nostradamus. I think it, it does not hit the mark the okay. way I thought it was going to. There's a lot of lyrics here. Here's the thing. Let me, let me talk about Rob Halford for just a second. Cause we talked about Dio a lot. Mm. I love Rob. I love everything about Rob. He's my first crush, my first vocal crush in in metal. Um, I, they were the first band I listened to after Rush when I was getting the, the, the heavier stuff. And there are times, and I don't give Rob a pass on this, there are times when he writes stupid lyrics. There are times when he writes great lyrics, and there are times when he writes stupid lyrics. And it's one of the reasons I think Iron Maiden always comes out on top in the war between Judas Priest and Iron Maiden Mm -hmm. is because you don't
0: hear stupid lyrics from Iron Maiden. They just don't come out of the studio. I I agree with you, but I do want to play devil's advocate because I know there are going to be people that say, Hey, what about six, 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 you know, the number for you and me. Like, is that, (laughs) is that necessary? Is that the best lyric writing? Now, obviously there's a tone that they're going for with that song that I think makes it rise to the level of not being bad, but you know, just, just to What's play funny
1: S. is you get the impression that it's going to be a satanic song, and it's actually quite corny. Yeah, it's a
0: corny you, horror movie, that song. Yeah, yeah. Um. yeah
1: it, and so you're right, that's an example. But that's early in their career, too. Mm-hmm. You would not... And we've talked about their bad albums. They have four in a row, and we're going to do a whole episode about when they went bad. Um, but I I think that there's there are times on Nostradamus, getting back to the concept album, there are times on Nostradamus where they wanted it to be a concept album and then Rob just phoned in the lyrics and he's writing about things that had nothing to do with Nostradamus.
3: Okay. I'll defend so,
1: my family and my friends. What the fuck does that have to do with anything about oh, I see. the overall concept of the album? Talk about the prophecy. Write a song about a specific prophecy. Talk about dying of loneliness right? Mm-hmm. Those are the the kinds of things I want to hear from Nostradamus. I'll defend my family and my friends. You could be writing about anybody yeah. with that lyric. That's not specific to Nostradamus. That's not, that's bad. That's just bad writing. And so when you're tackling a concept album, there's a lot of more box checking you have to do and a lot more editing you have to do. I'm, I'm sitting down, I'm writing a new role-playing game and I'm, it's a sister game to something else I've already done. And so I have to be very careful that I'm not just copying things I've already said and done mm-hmm. this. This has to have its own flavor. It can't just be, you know how master of puppets is right. Lightning part two.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I don't want that. I don't want to just keep copying on a, the same. I, I get
0: what you're saying, but I think that's probably the worst analogy you could ever invoke. Just because Master of Puppets is so like who wouldn't want to make the Master of Puppets a role play? No, print, no, right? no. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely. I'm not I'm not necessarily hammering of that, that album. We both agreed it's a top twenty album that you need to have it for your metal collection. But uh I don't want to go into the studio. Here's a better analogy. And Justice for All is Master of Puppets.
0: There you two. go. That's yeah. So that, that's
1: better analogy. Yeah, that's that's the so, analogy you're looking for. I don't want to go into the studio and write another role playing game that does the same exact thing the last one did. It I have to it has to stand on its own. It has to find its own feet. And I think when you're doing a concept album, you're beholden to the same logic. You can't just, well, we have this Fun Living After Midnight song on yeah. British Steel, so we got to have one of those on Nostradamus. No, no you don't. No, you already locked yourself into a concept album. You don't get to do a party song.
0: No, that, that's actually, I, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's role-playing. It's not music, but I, I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing a, um, a sister game to one of my games and I just went in the <laughs> opposite direction. Um, and like, you know, that game had like, you know, a lot of text, a lot of prose, it was 400 pages. And so I decided to do one that was like a hundred pages and it's right. got almost no setting detail, and it, it's all different, and I think I think you kind of have to do that. Um, yeah, for, for concept albums, I mean, I, I guess the only thing I would add is, uh, you know, for me, King Diamond was always the you know the go-to person for concept albums for me because I liked having that story, and if I was to single two albums out that I, I really liked, it would have been Abigail and The Eye, and The Eye is generally not as well regarded, I think, as stuff like Them or even Conspiracy. But I, I really liked the eye. I thought I thought it uh I thought it had some, some really great songwriting, even though some of the mixing was a little bit a little bit made gave it a slightly weaker sound than his previous albums. Um and uh and, and again, seventh son of a seventh son, but we're gonna talk about that another day. So um so The theme of this episode was eventually we're gonna talk
1: about this later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll have to go. I think if we go back and assess it, we might be able to pick apart a theme for a title. Uh, (laughs) But it might be difficult. This was this was a very conversational episode. This was not it was, you know, so uh, I I think it was just more about, you know, even started it differently than the other episodes. So
1: if anybody wants to blame anybody, by the way, this is all my fault. I woke Brendan up to record because I woke up so hyper and I just needed to do something. And it's it's just too early to go outside.
0: Honestly, these are the best kinds of episodes. Like, right? It's great. Okay, when you do a podcast, right? You can you can have a conversation that hits a bunch of points that you've already established and stays on track. Right? Is that really more enjoyable than hearing people <laughs> entertain you with conversation that really goes off the rails and sometimes gets into dangerous ground where you don't know if the person is going to destroy themselves in <laughs> and, and have to have to give up social media yeah for the rest of the life, yeah right that's i i find i find this kind of conversation i don't know what you say long form conversation more engaging than like a tight 45 minute do you know what i'm saying like there's value to both but my preference when i'm listening is i kind of want to hear people work their way through ideas and find you know it takes more time as a listener. Like, obviously, if anybody's still listening at the hour and forty-minute mark, which we just hit, <laughs> they are the most patient listeners in the world, right? Right. But but right. the patience is rewarded with those 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 peaks that get hit in the conversation. You know, you have you have to you have to walk through miles of foothill, but you do get those peaks in those moments. Um, so yeah. So but but we'll quit while we're ahead and and end it here, and uh, and we're gonna be back on though. Uh, I know we, 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 sometime next week or the following week, we're going to do uh, an episode where we bring Dion in from our Busha Weekend podcast, and we're going to be talking about when good bands go bad, which is a topic we've wanted to cover for a while. And we're also going to be back with Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and we have some other topics lined up. And until then, we will talk to you later.